Hello, and welcome to the Geek ETC Podcast. I am Josh. And I'm John. And we welcome you into episode three. This episode, we'll be diving into John's top 10 favorite video games. Last week, we went over mine, and we'll dive into what some of yours are. I'm excited to see uh, what you got lined up for us. I know, and I've been dying. It's been a whole week, and so I've not had a chance to... uh... I've been obviously I just wanted to keep talking the whole time and jump right into it, but God, that right. would have been like a four-hour-long podcast. Which right. well, in the future, fine, but yeah, <laughs> right. it's one of those things. Real quick, though, you know, we we started off with a lightsaber question in the last last mm. week's episode, if you remember, and the age-old question. I don't think I've ever asked you this: Who shot first, Josh? Was it Greedo or was it Han? Oh, I don't even know why this is a, this isn't a question. It's <laughs> Han just shot. It doesn't matter. The real question is, is, well, you know, who missed, you know, because we know it's Greedo. That's otherwise yes. the episode would have been, the movie would have ended really quickly. Do you, do you know, I didn't George Lucas say, though, that Greedo shot first. I thought there was something I saw or heard somewhere about that that was mentioned. People say, like, well, you know, Han shot first makes him like the more like cowboy, maybe quote unquote manly or whatever. But I think it's I think it would be interesting if really because maybe he's known Greedo for so long, he just knows that he's garbage. He's got those Mm -hmm. big eyes. Maybe he's got a depth perception issue. He knew he'd missed the first shot. And so it was like, Mm -hmm. I don't need to shoot first because I know Greedo will miss. Right. I kind of like that in my head that my my own mental image of Han Solo and what kind of character he is as a smuggler and a kind of like, you know, space cowboy-esque type of thing. You know, he's got that sort of swashbuckler uh quick um quick reaction time sort of gunslinger aspect to him is what i was trying to get at that yeah he knows you know even just from the hip like it doesn't matter what this you know fool idiot does or this this alien guy like yeah i can take him out no problem just from the hip you know hit him right between the eyes yeah, even so if he does shoot first maybe bosk or somebody maybe he would shoot first or or something like that but greedo maybe he just knows you know Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult of a guy to take out, you know, because you can tell Han wasn't super, you know, concerned. Right. I mean, he had a gun. The guy had the gun on him first, right? Why not shoot second? You know, because if there is any type of uh, stormtrooper in- in- inqui- inquiry, of course, there wasn't really stormtroopers there at that point um, on Tatooine. Well, there could have been, but there wasn't as like a big presence at that uh, at that point in the episode in the movie. But, um, you know, yeah, you know, it's just self-defense now. Really, it's a smart move for True. Han, and it's it's actually kind of a more tough move. It's kind of a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, who's the guy with the cigarette? Who, who's who am I thinking? The good, bad, and the ugly. Oh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. It's a little bit more Clint Eastwood when you think about. I'm just gonna let him miss, and then I'm gonna pull out the DL44 and yeah. really go to town. And obviously, you know, Han. I'm sure he's had many run-ins with the law in the past. And, you know, he would, I'm sure he would be aware, you know, that on what steps to take to keep himself from getting in more trouble with the law that like, Hey, it's self-defense, you know, he attacked me first. So I'm justified in killing him. Yeah. It's, it's this just in, it's just as Clint Eastwood Western to shoot second as shoot first. But we always recommend shooting first if you want to, because we don't know the 
depth perception of our enemies. Of Rodians. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yes. So yeah, all right. Well, good. I'm glad that we got that out of the way because I've been dying to ask you that. I didn't want to go on and on and on about it. Um, you know, starting out with my top 10. So these top 10 lists are, are just kind of an intro to us uh, as, as new podcasters. And we want you guys to hear from us what we like. And we also want to know what you guys like and um, maybe things that we we should know, maybe things we should play because um, it is a big part of our lives. And so hopefully, uh, A, you find something on one of our lists that you've never played before and you give it a shot or B, you say, hey, this game is like X and you send us that and it's something that we find enjoyment out of because it is a community and if we see it like that yeah. you know and we we see each other as as community members it'll be a lot more enjoyable time um so sure. i started playing games mainly on pc um never had a console right. or anything like that for a long time most of my gaming on console was done at friends houses your house uh when i was growing up in the midwest at other people's houses um rarely uh, you know occasionally my brother would come home from college and we would rent from a from a local video game store called hastings or local electronics store called hastings we would rent a playstation one and um, the PlayStation one that we would get would, um, we would get like an NHL game and then like an army man game, like the, like the toy, the plastic army men game. Do you oh, remember those? Uh, army men, Sarge's heroes, I, I think is what it, one of them I played was called. Yeah. On, I think I had it on N64 or something. It was one of those yeah, army men games that, that that game was fun as heck though. There were some, and there were some that were like completely, I think Sarge's heroes was different because it was like, it acknowledged that you were toys, but some of the early yes. ones were actually interesting because it was like, no, the, there's no people. It's just like the greens. And now that we think about it, it's a little racist, but there's, <laughs> it's like the greens versus the tans, or and then you throw in some blue guys and whatever at some point. And those were a lot of fun. So that's a lot of my, my early, my early times. One of the, when I, this list is in no particular order for my top 10. Mm -hmm. And when I think about, um, that couch co-op console type of thing, or even just early online, I think about us, me and you playing Halo three. Mm, yes. And, uh, so my number 10 is Halo three. Halo three was so much fun. Um, I, I remember part of the campaign, but honestly, it mm. was the one that me and you, we always played. Um, it was one of those things where we made those early like bonding moments in. We're saving each other's lives from bad guys. We're building things in the uh, forge mode. Um, oh, right. You know, we're building, you know, we're creating our own things, uh, playing those those different modes that other people had. Um so much fun you know there was that there was a there were specific matches that we can remember you know there was the match that goes down in history for mm. i was gunning on the goshawk right right and one of you out there might be one of our victims i don't know it's entirely <laughs> possible because we i had something like 50 something kills with no deaths right something like that it was like 53 or something. 53 and oh where where josh is just driving me expertly with his in the warthog and i've got the goss cannon on the back and i'm just one shot in everybody i can never replicate it again we well, can no. never we could never do it again but in that one moment 
we were perfect. And it's one of those things that you just always remember. And then, you know, one of the favorite things about Halo 3 too was you would get those messages afterwards, you know, that you would hear some of the in-game lobby, but when you would get those messages directed at you, uh, that people would make those pictures and they would superimpose things on them. You know, there would be the picture of the, the chief or, you know, the arbiter or something like that. And it would be, um, you know, you've been carried or, you know, thank you. Or like, weren't there like Christian ones? Wasn't there like Jesus, like, Hey, like, was, I remember seeing some that were like arbiter at the cross or something like that, yes. that out of, you know, just weird, weird times. And it was so much fun. And I don't remember there being that many like game lag online issues. Right. I remember just having a lot of fun, really, you know, three lane gameplay, and, um, you know, playing SWAT with you back in the day, oh, man, so much fun. So yeah, I'm, the, uh, those, those pictures were basically like early forms of meme pictures, essentially like early memes, you know, that would get spread around just through the specific games online community that they had through their own systems and stuff that you would share with other players and stuff that people were just, you know, creating memes early on. Um, but that, that map you, uh, reference where we the goshawk it was a map called standoff mm. it was actually a, a dlc map in the heroic map pack so it's a dlc map and it had like two kind of bunker bases across from each other sort of asymmetrically and there was a, a path that circled kind of figure eight throughout the whole map that you could drive on the you could take the warthog and, it, and just keep circling throughout the whole map <clears throat> and so we just did that for like the entire time destroying everybody yeah, and and everybody just kind of wound up in that little circle reticle yep. over and over and over again, and you know it didn't matter. What was the other big one with the the, the with the Valkyries and the? Oh. It was kind of a remake of the Halo Two map. Oh, uh, that one was so much fun too. You know, that was like that was to me when I think Halo, I think that map. I think of sniping in the rocks. I think of capture Valhalla? the flag, Valhalla. Um, Halo to me is multiplayer on Valhalla, stealing yeah. the flags. A remake of uh, well, that that wasn't really a remake. That was a it was a new sort of take on like Blood Gulch. Bloody Gulch, yes, from, the, from the first one. Yeah. yeah, and so that one to me is is just so much fun. That's what I think of when I think of Halo. When somebody talks about online multiplayer games, that's also one of the first things I think of. And I'm sure a lot of people mm -hmm. have that same type of you know reverence for that map and halo 3 in particular yes for sure yeah those like so many of those maps are just iconic uh, and that one again also really it took the the forge mode and really expanded it and being able to customize and make your own maps and i remember people would make like obstacle courses and stuff that you'd have to like you try and you know do essentially do platforming things to get through certain parts of the map and stuff but they came out with, uh, again, some maps they had like a uh, sand trap, which was a, a big desert map. And that one, you know, you, that one was the first one that incorporated the elephant, the big sort of mobile cruising uh, thing on there. But they had like DLC maps that uh, there was another sand one, uh, sandbox, which that was kind of after their forge mode kind of really started to uh, become advanced in the community, really started to go onto it. They made specifically a map called sandbox that, you know, is what its name was. It was designed for just building custom stuff. And people made the craziest things on there. And I remember, I think that was that map in particular. There was a lot of matches that were like Griff Ball and hand, like, you know, all of those game yeah. modes, which were, which were so much fun um, to get into. 
but yeah, there was that, and then before that, it was foundry. Foundry was kind of like in a warehouse with their shipping containers and all that stuff, and mm, yeah, yeah. people would make yeah, griff ball and some other. Uh, they made like duck hunt and some stuff in some of those using oh, those yeah. things. Like it was, it was a very creative time in games and for people sharing, you know, creative things that they've done and making these all new game modes. Some of which, you know, eventually became developer made game modes in the stuff. Like Griff Ball later became a actual game mode in the stuff. And similarly to uh, from Halo Two online, um, people had either SWAT or zombies. You know, those were just custom game modes that got spread around from person to person and eventually got so popular that uh, Bungie just made them permanent game modes in the game. Which, you know, good on Bungie. Thank you for taking that feedback, you know. Right. Um, and it, talking about the Forge mode, I, I have to... This is an inside joke between Josh and I. Mm. And it we're going to let you guys in on a little secret. And, and if you're out there, uh, I'm, I am going to name drop. We're going to try to leave names out of this for the most part. But Josh, oh. Josh and I were playing in Forge mode, couch co-op. And were we couch co-op? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, in Halo 3, you could be either a Spartan or an Elite. Those were the two options you had as a multiplayer. And typically, Josh and I played as the uh, Spartan, even though I think there was an issue with the Elite where it was harder to headshot, right? From behind, because of how their back was arched and their head was lower, If you that became a strategy that if you were in an Elite, you know, you had more cover from behind, so it was harder to snipe them in the head from behind. Yeah, but we don't we don't go back. We we don't get shot in the back. We just no. run forwards, Josh and I do. Yes. And we get killed often. But <laughs> it, we I remember us in the forge mode and we weren't really doing anything. And I remember seeing Josh in his shiny blue elite armor. And I realized Josh isn't normally an elite. And I said, Are you an elite, Josh? And he's like, What are you talking about? No. And I look, it's some random person who we've never played with. He had I don't know who he is named it's sniper zor mm. was the name was this like seven-year-old kid was just in our game out of the blue yeah in our forge mode and it was it was so silly it was so wild and it, it was such a joke we're like who is who is this person that just yeah. showed up there because I, I was pretty sure like i was like 90 percent confident we were in our own like a private match just me and him messing around on the forge stuff and like you know one where like you know, no one could join unless they were like a friend or someone on friends list or something like that. And this guy just pops in and he's not anybody either one of us know. And it's not on any of our friends list or you know, as far as we knew, wasn't a recent player. Cause that was another thing in Halo. You could just look at recent players and either, you know, friend, somebody that did awesome, or you can send those memes to, you know, let somebody you played with know you carried them. But yeah, he just like showed up out of nowhere so it's Sniper Zor. If you're out there, let us know. Email us, geekytcpodcast at gmail.com. Say, hey, yes. it's me. I'm It's Sniper Zor. You should have <laughs> let me stay in the match longer. Um, maybe we should make some merch for that, honestly, because right. that was one of the, you know, it, it was kind of like a Where's Waldo type thing. It was just, he showed up. We had no idea why he was there. It was yes. just, it's it, just one of those moments that to, to you people listening, it's not that funny, but at 2 a.m. In, yeah. in, in, in our, you know, early or late teenage years in a, in Josh's bedroom, it yeah. was hilarious. We're like, who is this guy? Why is he here? And why does he sound like he's seven? He's basically a virtual cryptid. Yes, exactly. Think about it. Like like a sighting of a Bigfoot that like, I swear he was there. He just showed up 
and from nowhere. We don't know who he is and where he came from. And then we, like, we never saw or heard from him again. Exactly. And it, and, and it has remained one of those things where Josh and I, where we can't explain something, we will throw out the, it's, it must yeah. have been it's Sniper's it, or it, it, It's him. Yeah, if something, you know, unexplainable happened, it was it's Sniper's or It's Sniper's or So go, talking about Forge mode, so that's my number 10. Halo 3, loved it. A lot of fun. Multiplayer. It's one of those nostalgic things for me, especially me and you specifically. Yeah. And one correction from last episode that I wanted to make about Halo 3. Halo 3 was uh, where they added in where you could play as the Arbiter in the, the co-op things in the co-op mode yeah that's right I, I, I said that that was in uh mentioned that in halo 2 but i believe it was halo 3 where they uh where the first player is master chief the second one is arbiter and then if you had player threes and four in the co-op campaign there were just two other elites there's a blue and elite and a red elite oh that's right yeah yeah they, they each had separate characters which i thought was awesome and i wish they did similar types of things like in halo infinite you know if you had mentioned this the other day that if you know, you were doing co-op, but the second player was just a Marine or maybe like an ODST guy or something, you know, just something, something different other than just another clone of Master Chief. I mean, if I was in a cutscene too, that's another big thing is like, now you're both couch co-op, you're both in the cutscene. That's right. kind of cool. You know, exactly. I want to see that. Yeah. So retcon Halo three, I'm a monster with plasma grenades. Just remember it. Exactly. If you run into me, that's what's going to happen. Watch out. Everything else, fair game, but I will stick you. I will get yes. the kill after death. Yes. Um, so speaking of Forge mode, um, you know, getting into my number nine, Fallout 4. Mm, excellent. Played New Vegas, played a little bit of Fallout 3. Uh, I was pretty psyched for Fallout 4. The announcement trailer, everything looked really neat. The game, beautiful. Watched it on other people playing it. Yep. It looked gorgeous. I really felt like I get RP in that game. Mm -hmm. And I remember buying it, getting it, the intro, phenomenal. The loading screen feels great. That music that it starts, I, I remember literally like sitting on my bed. I think I just downloaded it digitally and it was it download. I remember, I literally remember the moment of sitting on the end of my bed, looking at my TV and starting this game for the first time and hearing that opening music and it panning across the the power armor in the garage and stuff and like i remember like remember we were getting like chills seeing i was just like oh this is gonna be awesome yeah you knew when you knew at that point that you're like oh this game is a gonna be fun and b it's gorgeous looking yeah and you know loved it i loved um the brevity of the intro i loved you know um Hmm. It wasn't that important what you did uh, pre going to the fallout shelter. And right. then I love the intro tutorial, crouch, sprint, change weapons, shoot, you know, the normal FPS stuff right. was pretty quick and pretty easy. There was still plenty of stuff to find. Yeah. This one was interesting too. Cause like the beginning was a little different from normally starting in a vault and, you know, growing up in a vault or whatever, you know, going through the, you know, as a baby and then a young kid or, you know, whatever that may be that you start outside and you're just a normal family and stuff and you're exist before the bombs drop. And then as soon as they drop, you know, you go into the shelter to begin with. Yeah. And then you're cryogenically frozen, which I, I love those combat concept. Anyways, I love that, you know, person from the past into the future demolition man style, that right. kind of thing. Right. And, um, you know, compelling story. It makes you want to play it. Oh, baby taken. 
wife dead, mm-hmm. you know, ooh, I don't like it. But when you exit, yeah, it is nice that you come out of there and the world is your oyster, you know, right. a, a gooey radioactive uh, oyster, but it is <laughs> still an oyster nonetheless. And there is a little pearls throughout there. The base building, phenomenal. Um, yeah, that was a new mechanic that they threw that they didn't have in previous uh, Fallout. So they added that in there, and that, yeah, again, added this whole other gameplay element that if you didn't even have to do it at all. I think my first playthrough, I didn't even touch the base building stuff at all. But yeah, if you're someone who's into that kind of thing, like it's very diverse, and there's like electrical systems and all these stuff that you can uh, put into it to make as crazy as a base as you want. Yeah, you know, I loved. I play. I have a few playthroughs to it. A couple as the male character, a couple as the female character. DLCs were pretty good, but I remember, you know, one of my playthroughs, I got really into into base building, and there was an island that you could go to where you had to defeat one of the crabs. There was like a giant mud crab, or not mud crab. I'm I'm, I'm interposing Skyrim and Fallout now, but similar thing. And this is huge crab, and once you defeat it, you get this island essentially all to yourself. And it didn't get raided that much, and it was so much fun. And I spent this whole time designing this huge, like, multi-story building. It had a pretty high limit that you could go on, that you could build to. And, you know, I'm not, you know, the difference between Josh and I, jo- I'm a little bit more ADD. Josh, Josh tends to be a little more OCD. Mm. And so when it comes to building, Josh is a lot more neat and programmed right. with it. And it looks a lot better typically than my right. stuff. But I have an idea what I want, but I can't always come through with it. Right. And, Anytime that, we, you know, there's any kind of base building things that we're both contributing to, oftentimes you're like, I want this, like an arc, for instance. Like, you're like, I want a tower that like curves and has this stuff. I'm like, I'll build it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, it's, it's just I'm not always good at doing that type of thing. But this time, this time, I did a great job. I had different levels. Like the first level was like a like a kitchen level and with like a dining room. And the second level was like, hey, check out my power armor and that kind of my weapons. And then the third level was like a really crazy bedroom with like really cool stuff. And then the fourth level was like kind of an open air level. And right. with the elevator and you could go up there and I had chairs and they had added things like there was like those, uh, it was after the nuke, nuke town, nuke, nuke, cola, something or another. Yeah. yeah. The, the nuke, cola, the DLC. And it, it came out and, um, you had all these like games that you could play. So I had all, I have this nice stuff on top of it. And it just felt cool to RP there. Nuka World. Nuka World DLC. Yeah. And it just felt so cool to deal to like to, to hang out there. And I had these shooting targets out in the middle of nowhere that I could just shoot and they would snip flares if I hit them. Like they would snip fireworks, you know. You, I had them like program for that where they had, you know, if I hit them, I know I hit it because it would send up like the sparkles. And you know, that was a lot of fun. And I had a lot of, I spent hours doing that and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's cool. That kind of customization you could do with that. Like having those targets, shoot the flares up and stuff. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. You can load it like there, you know, there was so much stuff that you could do to it. And I hope that the next one that they do is, is similar to that outside of fallout 76. I hope fallout five, whatever it is, wherever it is, I can build again and I don't have to build again if I don't want to, you know, um, I think having the option to do both is amazing, but I loved the gunplay. 
I thought a lot of the weapons were pretty neat. Right. I love being able to create my own weapon. I love the customization of it. True. I loved being able to name my own weapons, you know, um, yeah, which that was nice. Yeah. You could, they had a interesting weapon customization, uh, thing in that and stuff like different pipe pistols and stuff and the different attachments or like stocks and things you could put on them. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It, you know, I love it. I loved being able to update things. I, you know, it's, it's fun. Don't always use the meta weapons. Have fun with the things that you think look cool. Maybe they don't kill as good, but Hey, have fun with it, you know? And, yeah. and you know, I like the aspect too, that that game has a whole like melee weapon thing still in it too. That even though it's a future modern kind of thing, you can legit just use a sledgehammer the entire game if you want to. Yeah. You know, I did one with one of my female playthroughs, you know, there was, um, this one armor set that I would get that would look really cool. It was kind of like future ninja looking. And then in the, in the, um, robot DLC that they came out with to fight that mechanized guy or whatever. Automatron? Aut automatron. Yes. There was a specific headset in there that you could get that was a mask. And when you pulled your weapons out, it would close around your face and almost Mass Effect style. And then when you were talking to people, it would open up and it looked like a futuristic soldier huh. mask it, or like, you know, a helmet. And it was yeah. my favorite. And I would, I had her and she was like my melee person. Right, right. Yeah, Very I hard. I never got to where, I never actually completely finished Fallout 4, the main story of it. Um, I, I fell <laughs> off at some point uh, due to something, but, and, and because of that, I never also got to uh, any of the DLCs for it. That's something I would like to go back and check out again and actually finish the game and then check out those um, DLCs because I've heard that the DLCs in like Far Harbor and stuff were all like really awesome. Yeah, Far Harbor was crazy. It, you know, it added some new weapons and it added, to, you know, obviously a whole new area. And I liked Fallout 4 because there was some like modern like normal lighting conditions you still had the scary radioactive storms and you still had the radioactive areas and you still had places that were dark and gross but it also felt nice to be outside in a couple places and it was kind of normal and i could build my little shack but in far harbor it is very 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 foggy very dark very like grim really the entire thing that's i think that's the whole nature of it is trying to clear some of that up i think so it's just a i guess a harbor sort of uh more close is it like close to the ocean kind of thing it's an island i believe an that island? you go to i think you go to a separate island is what it is mm. the one thing that's awesome about fallout particularly maybe more so than i guess skyrim kind of had a little little bit of it but some of the random stuff you could come across were just like some of it was like way off the wall kind of uh weird npcs or storylines that were just like very ridiculous but sometimes some of them often pretty funny um but some of them were just like you would not expect like th this is what i ran into yeah the, you know there was aliens there yeah. was there was you know bandits like if you kill one of them you come across them burying their friend later like those kind of things, the little things that you can find, those are the things that keep us diving back in. And I, right. I really, really enjoyed it. There's, again, back to that, there's something different. Every time you play it, you find stuff you never saw before. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's my number nine is uh, Fallout 4. Excellent. If you've never played it, play it. Uh, if you know something similar to it, suggest it to me. Very, very good. My number eight pick, and this is going a little off. The, this is this is going back to early PC me. 
This is Civilization 2. Mm. I've and, never played any of the Civilization games, so that's a whole unknown world to me. So Civilization 2 was the, the first one I played, and it was um, it's a turn-based real-time strategy game, right? Well, it's, I guess it's a turn-based strategy game, quote-unquote, with city building um, and uh, very simplistic combat. But it has... Uh, no technology trees it has all the stuff to go through the the one that i grew up with also had a bunch of um additional mod they weren't mods necessarily back then but they were they were like additional scenarios that you could put yourself in so i remember there was one where you start out as you know like you there was a world war ii one where you could play one of the different the, the, the battle lines were already drawn the maps were already there you could play as whoever the tanks were already ready to go you know you, you hit turn one and if you were the germans you started out with the blitzkrieg essentially and if you wanted to attack france you could do it wow. um and they had some different kind of like uh, weapon, I won't say weapons, different types of units uh, based on those. Mm-hmm. And then they also had some space ones where, you know, you were being attacked by aliens and you could play as the alien empire. Really? Could, yeah, it was actually kind of pretty neat. It was that diverse of a timeline kind of deal. Well, so these were this these specific scenarios. Yes, they were different ones. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you played just regular old Civ 2, you start it up, you go for it, um, you know, you start out with what your one settler, you hit B, you build your first settlement, you know, you start researching, you're building people, you know, it, there, there was, it was very 2D, you know, and, um, you know, constantly researching, there was little huts you could go into with your troops. If you went into a hut, you might discover a language or just, or discover a technology. You might discover another unit mm. or you might unleash a horde of barbarians, like three or four units that would just absolutely wipe you oh, out. Geez. If you were early people and you came across that and you put one, your one unit there, you lose your only offensive unit and you've got four people wandering around your side of the map now who are just going to kill everything you have. Oh, it was geez. pretty rough. And so I liked it because you know, you could name things. Mm. I could name every city. So if I played as the Sioux or if mm. I played as the Romans, it would auto-populate the city as Rome or whatever. But I could change the name of every single city if I wanted to. I could also change the name of my empire. You know, so you could change the name of the empire pre-doing that. So I could come up with, with whatever I wanted to which I like doing. So I would create my own empire, create my own names and build up things from there. I remember I grew up in the Midwest in Kansas and you could also build scenarios. And there was a little bit of a terrain sculptor and it's very simplistic 2d, very square based. And I remember growing up in Kansas, I created the state of Kansas wow. as an entire map, right? Which is super easy to do. You know, yeah. it's, it's mostly a rectangle with like a little chunk taken yeah, out of it. It's not a super complicated state shape. No, no. Yeah, it's, you know, there's a little chunk taken out of the top right. But here's the deal. I then went in and added a bunch of like Native American tribes in the different areas in Kansas. So I created this scenario where when I started it up, if I wanted to play as the as Americans, uh, the Americans started here with these two cities. And then the Kansas Indians or the Wichita Indians or Native Americans, they started in these different areas. So it was kind of cool being able to create these scenarios, very simplistic for like a, 
eights and not eight, eight and nine year old to do and have fun with. And the amount of fun that I had with that was a lot. It was also one of those things. It was one of the only games I had to play. If I went to go visit my brother, it was one of the only games he had on his computer. And it looks like it came out in 1996. Yes. Wow. It's old. It's old. And you, like, you can play it like you can play on like, there's some of those, you know, uh, like a ROM you can download. ROM you can. Yeah. You don't even have to download it. You can just oh, there's websites. Play in the browser. Yeah, play old games or whatever. You can go right into it, mm-hmm. and you know, just a fun thing, just a fun game to play. Um, and it was one of those early things where it got me thinking about strategy games, which is one right. of the things I've really enjoyed growing up. Right. Yeah. Never. I never. I just completely missed strategy games. Again, like most of those were on PC, like you're saying. And I never had a computer that could play any of that kind of stuff growing up. So I just completely missed out on that whole genre of strategy games. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun, you know, the being able to nuke cities, being able to take bomb, you know, nuke, and, and it would it would destroy the land around it where it was useless, you know. So you, and it was easy to cheat. You literally there was literally a button for cheats, and you selected like, you know, create this unit, instant build unit, instant build unit, instant learn technology. So you could you could be you know, running around with, with nuclear missiles while everybody else is in the iron age. Oh my gosh. And, and, you know, that was a fun thing to just goof around with too. And be like, you know what, uh, you know, if the, if the Cherokee want to come at me, then I'm just going to nuke them into oblivion. And then also there was a space race, you know, one of the things you could do is like build different components and then build a spaceship. And then once the spaceship was built, you could like, it would take years and then the spaceship would reach Alpha Centauri uh, like oh, the wow. next closest star, and you like you created this settlement there, and that was like one of the victory conditions, and that was a lot of fun. That's nuts that it had like that wide of a gamut of like, I guess it's the name civilization, but the types of civilizations from like ancient stuff to completely modern space age things. Yeah, and you know, coming up there, obviously you would you would continue all the way through the technology tree. So if you know there was no crossover, there was no um, like unit like faction specific units like there is in the later civilization series. Okay. So there was a pretty like I guess diverse types of units and stuff that you could have in it. Yeah, like you know, if you were a Sioux or let's say you were the Persians, you could have legionnaires, right? Which, you know, like they would look like Roman legions. There was just those specific units in there. Now, some, I think some didn't have access to every single one, or they started with things that were already advanced past that. But um, the faction-specific things weren't necessarily unit-related. Right. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah, I've never, I never had a chance to play one of those, but... uh... It's, it's cool that they had such a, even back then in 96, that they had uh, such a diverse type of gameplay and stuff in something. Yeah, and Windows DOS, MS, you know, Windows 95, MS DOS, how easy is that to, to manipulate things on? True. You know, true. one of my honorable mentions is like Command and Conquer, you know, real-time strategy game, pretty mm-hmm. fun. And I remember going over to my friend's house in, when I lived in Nebraska for a short period of time, and my brother would be playing... Command and Conquer, and they had modded it somehow, or they had downloaded. I, I don't know how they did it back then through disc or whatever. Mm. And I remember there being dinosaurs, you oh, know, wow. and they would have like the weapons attached to them that like some of the Sentinel Towers and stuff had on them. What? It was insane. Yeah, is that where Ark got their inspiration from? Maybe, maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> but so yeah, so my number eight, yeah, Civilization Two. Awesome, very good. 
And so in at number seven, so speaking of old times, so I didn't have a console growing up, but my best friend across next door to me did. And he had a PS1 and eventually got a PS2. Hmm. And my buddy Austin, we would go over to his house and play, but his parents wouldn't let us play all the time. Um, so we would play different games. I remember the old SmackDown games. We talked about those yes. uh, and the customization there. We talked about um, the old Madden games because he was, he was a big football fan. And right. one of my favorite games, though, was post-Episode um, 1 Star Wars. There was a video game called Star Wars Jedi Power Battles. Ooh. Okay. And it followed the Star Wars Episode 1 plot list right you start out in the like the luther hulk uh battleship in the federation Mm -hmm. and the cool thing about this was is you got to choose your characters so qui-gon jim was optional obi-wan kenobi was optional but then there was also like uh i think plo koon and kiati mundi and mace windu i think right were all options. No, maybe Kiati Mundi was not one. I think it was just Mace Windu, Plo Koon. But anyways, I remember seeing Plo Koon, and I was like, oh, that's my dude. So I went with Plo Koon. He had an orange lightsaber. He had some really cool moves. Each character had, like, you know, their power attack, quick attack, blocks, and everything. But they also had, like, custom moves that you could learn and unlock and choose, you know? And one of my favorites was, I remember that Plo Koon had a one, it was, you know, the top button on the, um, like the, uh, the PS, the PlayStation controls was like the Y or the triangle mm-hmm. was the triangle. And I remember if I, triangle, triangle was one of my favorite moves. It would it was a down slice. And then on the up slice, it was like a power down and on the power up slice, it would send people flying back. Ooh, and nice. so I could throw them off of buildings or do whatever. Right. And That's awesome. My friend and I, we went through that so many times. I remember how difficult it was. And it was, you know, going to Coruscant, going to Tatooine, going to all these different places, getting to all these different things, following the movie plot line, um, side scroller ish. But back then it felt great. Like it felt like, oh, this is, this is like super great technology. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I, I never, I hadn't even heard of this. But again, like, I never had a PlayStation. So I never, it never would have crossed my radar, even that this was a thing. Yeah, it was, it was so much fun to play with him. And it was one of those things that I was always jonesing for. And, you know, like, occasionally when my brother would come into town and we'd rent a PlayStation, I would rent the game, that game as well to play with him. And we only beat it a couple of times because it was difficult, especially being, you know, probably second or third grade. Yeah. And um, some of those old games like that back in the day, either like Sega Dreamcast or not Sega, Dream, Sega Genesis or some of those early games like that, like they were freaking tough. Yeah, they didn't pull their punches. No, I know a lot of people reference the freaking like Lion King game. It's like one of the toughest games ever made. Yeah. Definitely not made for children to like no. try and compete. But yeah, a lot of those games were hard. And, you know, one of the things about this one, too, is, is um, well, my buddy, it, it also made it bad because my buddy enjoyed dying. He liked playing Qui-Gon Jinn, and when Qui-Gon Jinn would die, he would go, Ugh! And my friend, 
and it would frustrate me to no end. Austin would, thought it was hilarious every time it would happen, and he would get into these giggle fits, and he would die on purpose. And I'm like, come on, man. Just to hear the Just to bite. hear it. Just to hear it. But there was really unique, like, droids that weren't in the movie in it, like oh, some, wow. like, souped-up B-1 battle droids. And really? Like, yeah, those kind of things. But there were a lot of cool things that you fought, um, you know, reflecting blaster shots, um, you could get like little power-ups that would make your lightsaber more powerful and longer or whatever. And then in the end, you know, you wound up fighting Darth Maul, right? You know, iconic Sith to me. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. Yeah. The, you know, the, you, and you get the cutscenes, and, you know, I wound up almost with like a perfect, um, finish with my buddy where he went in first i got trapped by the ray doors he got killed and then i came oh in gosh. and finished him off and you know i'm hitting squares and double y's <laughs> and it was pretty cool i'm pretty sure i, I triangle triangled him into, the, into pit. the pit yeah oh that's sick so yeah that was that was part of my you know i would love for you to see that sometime i would i think it, i don't know how we would play it on a playstation one but i think you and i right. playing that game together would be <clears throat> just amazing I'd be down for that like yeah because I mean I, I play a good bit of uh, Star Wars games like there was like the um, Jedi Academies games like Jedi Knight 2 Jedi uh, Academy or whatever they were like those games it, like it was a similar sort of types of stuff but I had so much fun with those sort of things and like I said you know and one of my favorite games was Knights of the Republic so those older Star Wars games they just had a charm about them you know that new Star Wars game that had uh new uh, Jedi Fallen Order that's like the newest kind of Jedi game that there's been that you kind of have that third person sort of adventure game where you get to slice people with a lightsaber and all that sort of stuff but they haven't really had too many like that since back in the day but back in the day they had a ton of them but no dismemberment right yeah bring back dismemberment Disney that's like the coolest thing about a lightsaber it's how lightsabers work if you hit somebody <clears throat> in the arm the arm is gone the arm is gone yeah and not just with droids you know like that's fine or whatever, but just and, and like you don't even have to include blood because it would just automatically cauterize it anyway. Would it though? Well, that's a, that's <laughs> that sounds like a question for that sounds like True. a good question. Let us know your opinions. Would uh, if you got dismembered by a lightsaber, would it automatically cauterize the wound? We'll leave that up to y'all. So yeah, that's my number seven. You know, number six, I'm gonna kind of just gloss over because last week we talked about it as well. Okay. Star Wars Battlefront Two. Yes. The old one. Yes. And um, we could go over that over and over and over again. The one thing we didn't touch on last week was the uh, hero mode, which I really right. enjoyed on Tatooine. That was one of the ones I really enjoyed doing and was fun to play with other people. Like versus, right. I did enjoy playing versus against people when we were like our, in a regular yeah. you know campaign type setting yeah, but yeah. it was fun to play against buddies in that kind of mode because they had yeah like normally in any of the other modes like the uh, a conquest modes or whatever they were that um if, if you had it turned on then once you got a certain number of kills or after a certain amount of time it would give you the option to spawn as a a jedi or sith hero you know that could be luke skywalker han solo yoda or on the other side darth vader darth maul I mean, you could play with them for yeah, a limited amount of time. You had like a health bar that slowly drained. You could kind of refill it a little bit by getting kills to extend your time. But after a while, eventually it would expire and you would die and you could respawn. And, you know, that would, you know, throughout the match, you know, different people could get the opportunities to do that. But yeah, on Tatooine, on Mos Eisley uh, map, that particular specific mode where it was just 
all the heroes all the time and you could you pick any of the the jedis or the sith or you know anybody that you wanted and it was just a free-for-all kind of team battle between the two sides yeah that was it and it could get wild too because you got like yeah. general grievous and like darth maul just spazzing out inside it, of a building it, it gets yes. pretty crazy yeah I, and with those heroes and stuff my favorite like in my opinion the best was always darth maul like the double bladed double bladed lightsaber and how he could like spin and like twist around and stuff he could just completely like mow down everybody i remember there was one of the levels that was like on like a moon polis massa that yeah that it had a, a bad like as you captured kind of a rush sort of thing you captured the multiple points and the last point that if you left you know it under enemy control there was like the tightest choke point and if you're darth maul you could just stand there and just spin and slice and like did kill, kill like 30 guys at a time and no one could get past it. And, yeah. it, and that was, a, you would get enough kills quick enough in that, that it could, it would, your health would refill faster than it would drain. So you could just sit there for like forever. It was very awesome. Yeah. It would, it would take like them hitting you with grenades and knocking you down. But yeah, that right. was an insane, insane. I remember that map specifically for that reason. And that's the reason why I remember the name of it. Exactly. So just kind of glossing over my number six, obviously that Star Wars Battlefront 2. Loved it. A lot of fun. Very nostalgic for me. Very um, awesome. Agreed. And it gets me into another uh, uh, nostalgic thing. And so we're going back to PC gaming. And mm -hmm. that's Rome Total War II. And <clears throat> Rome Total War II is my favorite of the Total War series. But I grew up playing the... Um, I guess to, to, to clarify, it's, it's Total War Rome II. Okay, so it, to, I call it Rome Total War Two. Yeah, in this in this episode, it'll be called Rome Total War Two for the listeners if they want to look it up. Um, but the Total War series is is a really fun game series, and my I remember playing Command and Conquer once again, one of my honorable mentions when I was younger. And in that game, you're playing with individual troops. You're clicking and dragging. They're moving not in formation or eloquently, and then you point and click it for them to shoot stuff. My brother told me about this game. He said this Shogun Total War, right? And he told me it was about it was Japanese, and you're commanding like company-sized elements of like a hundred troops at a time or eighty troops at a time, mm -hmm. and you're moving them in formation, and then so you're getting that classic battlefield X's and O's pushing the things across the battlefield, and then when you zoom in on it, you're getting that individual combat feel to it, and so right. you get more of that tactical feel, right. and so. I played Medieval Total War, which was, you know, could also be on my favorites list. And I loved it because, you know, you got this overview map of the world with these essentially chess-like pieces on it. And they control generals or commanders or whoever. And you have some, like, nation building and technology trees to go through. And you build troops and you have to... There's some element of, like, resource not gathering but you have to have the appropriate buildings to to, to right. get different types of troops and um you could also assign titles to different commanders and everything which i really liked in medieval total war one but you would get then you'd move these chess pieces around and then you would hit end turn and the other the other you know during that same turn everybody else is moving their chess pieces around 
And if you get into combat, it goes down and it goes live into it. And you get to, you know, pre-plan your military, your strategy. You get to put your people where you want to put them at. You, you have to deal with, like, reinforcements. You have to deal with sieges. Mm-hmm. Um, so much fun. Yeah, that's really cool. And, like, and with uh, Rome, too, you, you kind of introduced that to me uh, a couple years ago. And I had never, like I said, I'd never played any of these RTS games or any of this kind of stuff like that. And then uh, you told me about this, and, and I checked it out, and we played it a, a little bit. Um, and I, it, at first, it was like it seemed really complicated to me, a lot of systems to manage, this and that. And it, it seemed a little overwhelming. But after getting through it just a little bit and kind of understanding how it works, like it, it was simpler than I thought. And once you get into it and you get some troops built up and start to make some armies and start to conquer some of, uh, like Europe there and some of the, the regions and countries and stuff like you really get into it and it gets really addictive. Yeah. You know, we we had battle plans. We had like, you know, I like that. I can name my army. I can name it first army or Imperial army or Royal guard or whatever I want to. I can, I can put the different types of troops I want into it. And with you, it was a lot of fun, A, introducing you, and then B, getting you into it, like getting the, like starting near each other and helping each other out and having these co-op battles. Right. But we even discovered that you could loan me units. In, oh, right. That wasn't in, like to way in the game. Do we found out that like, if you got into a battle by yourself, you know, well, that was even the, the cool thing in general is that we could do a, essentially a co-op campaign and work together to conquer, you know, that part of the world. But if you got into a battle by yourself, you know, for, I don't know how many hours we spent and we just have to you know we we're just sitting there waiting for the other person to finish the, the battle and they're like wait what does this button do and it turns out you can just yeah lend a troop and you can control one of your other the other players troops inside the battle yeah you can control you can control like an entire unit of soldiers or multiple units of soldiers you know with so and it's less micromanagement for especially you when you were getting used to it you know you love to give mm-hmm. me the cavalry and right. i would i would just come hammer and anvil them and so Rome 2 takes my spot because it's it's pretty, it's easy to learn. The um, I love the historical nature of it, and you you can still find a lot of people playing competitively in these tactical gameplays um, where they're having these big siege battles, mm. and there's always some new tactic to try. Right. You know, and then the mod community for it has done a lot of fun. You know. There is a couple of, there's two different mods in particular. There's one that makes, you know, adds different factions and really makes the units larger and historically accurate, even gives them the same names. And then there's a medieval one that kind of turns it into like a medieval Total War Three, and that makes it a lot of fun. And it's a complete overhaul, and it looks like a AAA produced game. Yeah. And, you know, I love those games to just veg out. I don't have to take it seriously. Um, you know, right. And because it, you know, it is kind of turn-based and you can kind of pause the gameplay and think about stuff like you can literally just kind of relax into it and like, you don't have to feel pressured to do stuff. You can take it at your own pace, you know, the battles and stuff and just kind of sit back and watch it, you know, for 10 minutes, watch the battle happen its own way and just enjoy that, you know? Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's so it's a time machine too. You know, it's mm. one of those games. It's a time machine where, you know, you and I would play. Right. And a few turns later, you know, we start at nine o'clock in the evening and it's, yeah. it's 1 a.m. Yeah. And we didn't realize it. No, you're like, where did the time, we did like two battles and now it's one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things like if you want to take up time and you want, it, you know, quality time and I can talk to you about things and we can just hang out. And then also, 
you know, really have fun. With, like, if you like strategy games, you got to give the Total War series a try. I've not played around with like the the Warhammer uh, versions of right. it. Um, it doesn't look like it's my cup of tea necessarily, but I really hope they release a Medieval Total War three, and you right. know, uh, really get after it. And there's been other titles since, but I think if you were ever going to try a Total War game. Rome 2 is where you should start. And that's what I think. It came out in 2013, but honestly, like, it aged very well. Even that that's been almost a decade ago. Like, because of the gameplay and how it operates and stuff, like, there's nothing about that game that wouldn't, that doesn't make it completely playable still today. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's super playable. The mod community is great. So even if you get done with it, you know, there are campaigns you can play, yeah. which are more limited. So you can play those historical campaigns, which are normally quicker. I'm a grand campaign, pick your people, go from there type of thing. And then, but you know, playing, being able to play multiplayer is, is huge. It's so much fun. Very much so. Yeah, I have enjoyed that. I, I definitely want to run through another another campaign of that at some point you know what i do too we should do that well we'll we'll do that then uh so yeah that's my number five rts uh or strategy game rome total war 2 and then sticking with pc and one of the first real pc shooters that i got into that was something i was excited about i would watch videos on but i never had a computer that i felt could run it and then i did and Mm. then i got it and that is a good feeling that is squad and Squad yeah. is one of those games that, um, to me, it really just bumps up the fun factor. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the console community is pretty, um, you know, everybody makes fun of the Modern Warfare 2 lobbies oh, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, you know. But the, the in PC gaming, the lobbies are actually pretty chill. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, people are helpful. So right. I remember getting into squad and the people said, Hey, if you're new, just ask for help. And so squad is a game that takes place. It is a 50 on 50 game. Mm-hmm. It is ticket based, very similar to a battlefield game. And there are vehicles. There are non attack helicopters or transport helicopters. Um, there are different factions. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your U S Marine Corps, U S army, British army, Canadian army. Uh, you have an insurgent faction. You have more of a Chechen faction. You have Chinese. Now mm-hmm. you have Russians and, uh, like an Iranian right. type faction. And that's the cool thing is every one of those has like real world, uh, representations and unique things of weaponry, vehicles, outfits, like all of it is all, you know, based um, off real world uh, equipment and stuff that is being used by those armies today. Absolutely. And, and and the thing is too, so, you know, you, to be part of this, you can't just go play on your own, you know? No. It's called squad for a reason. To join, uh, you know, the, the servers are pretty well manned by admins. You get into it. You pick a squad, you get into a squad, you become a squad leader yourself, or you get into a squad and the squad leader is actually important because they actually have a role to play. They do a bunch of different things and a good squad leader makes or breaks the gameplay for you. And something about this too, like, yeah, if you're, if your team is going to be victorious, like you can't just run in there, rush in, run and gun, like kind of overpower stuff. Like you have to kind of plan your routes of attack on the different points that are being captured and kind of use some strategy between the different squads and units to really accomplish the, the overall goal. 
A hundred percent, you know, and so there's different, there are different, um, uh, classes that you can have within the squad. There are different squad roles and the size of the squad also depends on what squad roles you can get. And some yeah. squad roles, there's only a couple of them available for your entire team. You know, like if you have a heavy anti-tank kit, that's only available to two people out of 50. So if you are a new player, yeah. don't pick that up, right? Because right. that's an important role that we need to exactly. get to somebody that yeah, knows what they're doing. Each role is important, and you kind of have to cover your bases as far as, like, what units you have and stuff. And, uh, yeah, like, it's important to, like, if you've got a squad of six people or something, like, you need to have a medic, you know, to be able to revive people. You need to have an anti-tank version in case you come across a tank or a, a transport truck or something like that. Like, you have to plan out your squads to cover all your bases because if everybody's just a rifleman and runs in, then, you know, you're, it it's, typically doesn't work out super well. You know, you could get ambushed by a, a tank and then no one could take it out. Yeah, you know, the the game is 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 fairly realistic. There, you know, the weapons are not, you know, the weapons are a little bit over recoiled but other than that you know like it mm-hmm. emphasizes single shot shooting it emphasizes if you have a bipod use it and right. if you have well you know the fact that you can use mortars and you can build emplacements and you can build a little base you know at different points it's it's a lot of fun there's logistics to it there are people that drive trucks the entire round and they have fun with it mm-hmm. and it is interesting because you you are one of the targets um you know, you get hit with a with a rifle once or twice, you're down. If you get tapped in the head, you're down. You yeah. don't know yeah. if you killed the person sometimes, yeah. you know, unless you see them fall. There's you, a very fast time to kill. Very fast time to kill. And you don't know how many kills you have till the game is over. And I like that to an extent. Because, yeah. like, you know, it would be horrible if you were playing a mortar thing and you were, you know doing it forever and maybe it is kind of bad you know if if you're playing mortar gameplay Mm -hmm. and you didn't get any kills Mm -hmm. but hey you don't know if you're suppressing them you don't know if you're denying something to them there's all kinds of stuff and the and the armor gameplay is is something differently entirely because you the points matter where you hit them um almost you know world of tanks-esque the armor is different in different places you have to Mm -hmm. if you're a person with a rocket launcher a, the rocket launchers go for hundreds of meters. They're accurate to real right. world somewhat. So they're not like, it's not like a Modern Warfare 2 where if you have an underbarrel grenade launcher, it's yeah. going to go 20 meters max. No, you're talking, you, you can go 300 meters. You know, you yeah. can zip them in there. And A, king of grenades here, if <laughs> I get you with an underbarrel grenade launcher, you'll know it. Yes. Um, but, you know, I, one of those, this is just an early thing for me, squad. I remember playing and playing as a lat light anti-tank kit and meaning that they have like a, a smaller sort of you know rocket launcher of some kind yeah not one to yeah. take out a tank necessarily it can take out lighter vehicles if you hit them in the right spots but you know it's more like you're you're there to be an annoyance type thing mm-hmm. and i remember playing as that lat kit and I was by myself, and there was this tank that was just absolutely destroying everybody. And I was a new player, and people are running by me, enemy soldiers everywhere. And you know you can't take them out. Like, there's no—I yeah. can't jump up and shoot them before they kill me. Yeah. And this tank is just wiping out everybody. And I remember sitting there, and there was one guy near me on proximity chat, and he was a heavy anti-tank. He's like, if you can just take the tracks out, I'll kill it. And so I waited, and I waited— and you can't shoot it close. There's an arming distance, just right. like there is with real-world weapons, where the, if you shoot point-blank range, you're not going to kill it. Yeah. 
And I let it go just far enough, and I hit it in the tracks and spun it out. And that dude hit it in the butt with his tandem round and sent it flying. And the whole team, my squad leader was excited. And it's just one of those things like, you know, I only got a few kills that round. Yeah. But that feeling of elation that I got for that one, exactly. I didn't get the kill count for it. Yeah. But I got, I tracked it. I took it out. And that made me feel happy. It's that contribution to the overall thing. And literally, it's one of those games too that literally like taking out one tank can make or break the taking of a position and yeah. stuff like it, it, it makes you each role holds a big uh, individual uh, importance in the game yeah so you know that's it's one of those games where like if you've got an itch for a tactical shooter you know um and you've never played a pc game before like i show people gameplay of it and if they're a console player and they're like, man, that is so crazy. They've never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. They've never seen it. And the, the shenanigans that you can get, in, get into, you know, the, the player base, sometimes they get tired of it, right? You know, they're right. or, or whatever, or they think that things aren't being released enough, but they do a good job. Like they just released the Chinese faction is completely different than everybody else. Completely new stuff. Yeah. And they release maps pretty regularly. I, overall, I, I don't have that many issues with the game at all. Yeah. And that, it's one of those games too, like because of the maps and stuff and how big they are, like talk about a game that is never the same thing twice. Oh yeah. Like there, you're never going to have the same like battle or same experience. And even if you play the same map a hundred times, it's going to be way different every time, depending on who you're playing against and what tactics they take. Yeah. And you know who you're playing because some people have some pretty unique things, you know, like, you know, you can set up a tow missile somewhere, you know, with right. anti, you know, anti-tank guided munition, you know, like, or, you know, wire guided. Right. And you can set up, you know, you could have a guy and they'll create their squads. They'll tell you what kind of squad they want to be like, hey, we're going to be an infantry squad. Hey, we're big bug blue, big boys, <laughs> which have fun. You right. know, you can join that squad and just goof off. You know, you get in the helicopter and somebody's playing Fortunate Son through the, right. um, you know, through the, through the chat proximity through chat. the proximity chat like that's an that's the thing you know the, the there's a setup lobby there's all kinds of you know there's really fun game modes so i encourage you if you're a console player and you've you've never tried pc gaming i think the two go hand in hand i don't think you have to choose and i think you should try uh squad out as the if you're trying a f- real tactical shooter because it, it is a lot of fun it's it's right. it's got a good community join one of the servers that says new player friendly tell them hey i'm new what do i need to do right and just play have fun and, and you know what everybody will welcome you it's completely different than the console right right and go into my console version of that so that was my number three or sorry that was my number four number three right. is battlefield three Ooh. so battlefield three i remember playing bad company um yeah with our with one of our old friends and at his house one time I think you were there and, or maybe not. Anyways, I remember playing it and the destructibility. That was the coolest thing about Battlefield that other first person shooters did not have is the destructibility. And I remember fighting a guy. I had an M416 with an under barrel grenade launcher. There we are again. And I was shooting a guy and I remember I killed him with the last bullet in my magazine I had nowhere to go. These people were advancing on me. I turned around and blew a hole in a wall yeah. to a building because there wasn't a door close. And I ran through that and got escaped. And I remember thinking, wow, what an interesting thing. And so yeah. um, when we got into Battlefield 3, 
and we played that online especially. It was so much fun to play with you. The different classes, the sniper, engineer, assault, and what was mm. the other one? Heavy? I don't remember. I think there was like a heavy. Like there was one that primarily had like light machine guns or whatever. Um, the maps were all super fun. The sniping was amazing. The um, armor and helicopter and plane gameplay was all really fun. Yes. And the like level up system for all the weapons easy to do a lot of fun and the campaign itself was a lot of fun you know you're just invading iran as a marine that was awesome mm-hmm. um i'm not saying that the u.s should invade iran no. but it was it was an interesting like storyline and i think that campaign was one of the best campaigns i've played in in a while yeah, when it comes to first person shooters they also they typically you know the campaigns are sometimes they're weaker you know that's not what a lot of people play them for. I mean, some of the some of the like Call of Duties and stuff have had pretty good game. It's basically like playing a Michael Bay movie. Yes, but you know, just high action, big explosions. You know, stop a terrorist from blowing up the world, kind of thing. But me but, personally, like in those campaigns where I'm able to single shot, I'm trying to turn an M4 or an M16A4 um, onto single shot, mm-hmm. and I'm able to just my own pull the trigger, tick tick yeah. tick 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 Pick away. Them off. That feels good to me. Yeah. And I like that kind of thing. And Battlefield had that. It had that in the multiplayer. It had that in the campaign. And it had that with the armor gameplay. I think, uh, is that the game where we had, was it Battlefield 3 or Battlefield 4, where we had that, you had that super long sniper kill? Ooh. I think there there was the same map in both of them. There's a big desert, the oil refinery map. Um, there was like two big mountains on the, on the two sides of the thing, and then a big oil oil field in the middle of it and i was on the top of one mountain and i saw a guy on the top of the other mountain and yeah that's one game that like a thing in that game that i haven't been able to uh, duplicate in other games is you know if you got a headshot on somebody with a sniper it would tell you how many meters away it was and i did one on there it was like 960 something meters which it had like a second of travel time with the bullet drop and so that was you know when, that's one of my most satisfying gaming moments for yeah sure yeah the, 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 that's one of those things where you like you do it it feels great um i don't think battlefield 3 had hardcore mode but in the uh, in the later editions battlefield 4 and battlefield 1 which i also super enjoyed the hardcore mode where you didn't it didn't tell you you killed him but if you had a headshot it made it a little noise a little ding mm-hmm. and like you heard the, the little satisfactory kill noise that was that was a blast and you know I remember just going up with you and Apaches, you know, and us double teaming it, you know, me on the gun or you on the gun and me flying and unlocking those things and getting excited to unlock the next thing for the Apache helicopter or the next thing for the tank, you know, and running it as a team of two and really getting into it. And we were able to kind of like really scope out our own thing. Like, Hey, me and you are going to do this, this round. Right. And that was, that was, uh, that particular instance you mentioned of the Apache, we had a similar experience, uh, harking back to the, the Goss hog, uh, event in Halo three, where we were on a, a map, just both in an Apache and just destroying the other team, like 30 or 40 kills or something like just in one match. Yeah. Uh, just, never shot down once. Yeah. yeah. We just stayed in the helicopter like the whole time and just constantly destroyed them. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, I, w- I was in the gunner, and we were just wiping them out. And it, just one of those things, everything was perfect. Everything wound up perfect. And, you know, 
it, it's it's one of those things that's like it is a core like you know a core memory or whatever that pops right. up you know it is silly when you talk about like well it's a video game or it's pixels or whatever but there is there's, it's more to it than that yeah. it, it's a dopamine thing that pops in our heads you know it was a serotonin yeah. release that i got for doing this thing and i yeah. enjoyed it and i'm glad i did it yeah. and, no, and on top of that like it's it's a memory that you know not only you have yourself like but me and you both share it together like that's a memory we both have of a time we both were hanging out having fun you know and to me that's that's important like it's good to have those kinds even if it is you know in a virtual world in a game or something you're creating fun memories with your friends and stuff absolutely that was it was battlefield 3 it was amazing battlefield 4 was amazing battlefield 1 was amazing the bad companies were amazing battlefield 5 um i did not enjoy the new gameplay i didn't play it and then obviously the new battlefield was 20, something you and I couldn't do. 2042. Yeah. Yeah. That, that just had too many bugs at the time. They may have improved it and they may check it out later, but you know, when it came out, it just, it was not working. Battlefield three, battlefield four. That's it for me. You yeah, know, those were amazing. Um, so that brings me to my number two. Mm. And you talked about it briefly. Uh, it's one of your honorable mentions, and that's specifically for me, the Mass Effect series, but I'm going to focus on Mass Effect 1. Okay, yes. So Mass Effect 1, uh, I talked about it in episode 1 a couple weeks ago with you, and it was one of those things where I almost couldn't figure out how to play it. Mm -hmm. So idiot moment for me, I couldn't figure it out, and I was really confused because there was like one point where you had to go down this path and I could never find the path. And it was just a dummy moment right. in the first mission. And then once I did, I never wanted to get off of it. Yep. And I had so much fun, spent so much time. And, you know, you get to design, A, just designing a character and then getting to pick one of the three backgrounds that you get to pick. Oh, right. Like you have like War Hero or Spacer. Or, or Soul Survivor. Soul Survivor, that's right. Right? And those carry over to all three games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the first one I chose, the War Hero, because I was, Me you too. know, whatever. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, I'm guns blazed and I'm doing all this stuff. And then I remember going through and playing like a Soul Survivor one, and I went with more of a bionic or whatever. Uh, biotic. Biotic. Yeah. Uh, pathway with that one yeah like i was the sole survivor and i was a little bit more uh in tune with my like you know psych stuff or whatever yeah, yeah. and um just completely different playthroughs completely different things you know starting out you, you know you're the start out as in seven you know special forces guy which is really cool right you know mm -hmm. that's that's what you are in a lot of video games and you know you get to choose your human race you know you get to choose what you look like decent character customization yeah, that yeah. carries through to all three games and you um then you know i think you, the voice is the same the whole time right there's yeah there's a voice for male shepherd and, and female shepherd female shepherd and then you choose your first name but your last name's always shepherd mm -hmm. and um that way you're always commander shepherd which is fun you yeah. know good on them it for works thinking either way. that and so once you actually get into it, you beat the first level, you've got your ship and you're able to go to these different places. It's one of those other things where you can go kind of where you want to go. Yeah. You kind of have a, a, a starting point. And, um, you know, the lore, like I really enjoyed, like they had it to where there was no ammunition. 
in the first one. Right. Mass right. Effect 1, there was no ammunition. They had it, and they had it in the codex. Why do you don't have to? There was overheating issues, yeah, right, yeah. which posed a problem. But it wasn't something you were having to constantly go around and pick up ammunition. And it made sense. It was like, hey, this is why ammunition is not an issue. Now, mm-hmm. Mass Effect 2 and 3 changed that, and I hated it because then I'd <laughs> always run out of ammunition. And um, right. that was silly, I thought, in my head. But, hey, that's not, I didn't design the game. So, yeah. Um, but Mass Effect One, just the choices you make, and you the, there are choices you make even at the end even that you can't always make the right decision. And there's not even a best decision sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. like you know, in Mass Effect One, you get the choice of whether you're going to save that ship, you know, or do something else, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you get to choose between the senators or whatever, right? Right? I think it is, and. That affects Mass Effect 2. It affects yeah. Mass Effect 3. Um, and it's wild to think about. You know, that that affects how the overall story arc goes for Mass Effect 3. Because you might not get enough resources if you let them die or whatever. Right. It's one of those things like when you, you play through the first time, you didn't really think too much about the decisions. Because, you know, it was what it was. But when you, you know, learn and find out like that stuff carries on to 2 and 3... Then if you play through one again, you're like, every decision you make, you're like, oh, it's, it's what, what should I choose on this? Is this going to change something in two or three? And you, you kind of, it adds more weight to every decision you make. Yeah. And, you know, in Mass Effect 1, there was a little bit greater customization uh, with armor and weapons right. um, than there are in the other ones, which I liked. I thought that was really interesting. You and, you know, you so you start out as this N7 Marine, you're, you're working for the, for the Earth you know, you get put in this special position and you start going on these missions. It's cool to have that kind of like status as a specter. You right. know, you get that specter status and eventually you start getting able to purchase those weapons and stuff. You get those really cool guns. Yeah. Um, but everything in the game was so well done. I loved all the dialogue. I loved the simplistic dialogue where it was like kind of like, hey, goes kind of in this manner but it doesn't spell everything out that you say you know yeah, but yeah. you do say everything you say a lot more right. than what it says um you know you can punch a reporter in the face who doesn't love that <laughs> um man it's just it's just so much fun to play through it's so like you build these you know you've got your buddies you've got your you know you're taking on missions you get to bring two of them with you on missions right and one of them's gonna die in the first one whether yeah. you want it to or not, one of them is going to die in the first in the first game, and then you could you, it has the option for two or three to die. I think in the first game, yeah, for sure two, yeah, and then in the second one, we like we talked about before, you, you can lose all you you can lose all these people that you put all this time into. Yeah. The third one, you can lose even more. You can lose entire planets. It's it is it's very um, consequence heavy game, like based on choices you make and stuff. It really can changed again that's one of the things like even though you can play the you know you play the game through five times and have different experiences every time it is the game that's begging for a movie to be made or something like a series a really good mini series or series Mm -hmm. on hbo or something where it's well done thought out timed well and it's one of those things to me it's a sci-fi classic if we if we saw it in other media i think if people that saw it that were outside of video games um 
if they just saw the drama, if they heard the dialogue, if they felt the mm-hmm. the character connections, I feel like it'd be one of the best. It would be like a Game of Thrones series, essentially, where people would be just, it would be a fan, like a cult classic. Right. Well, in a many games that I've played, particularly like space, you know, future sci-fi games and stuff, it has some of the most interesting things in it as far as like characters and races and technology and like the political structure of the different races in the in the soul and the galaxy and stuff like just how they all of the uh stuff that they've made in that game it's all very very interesting and so like none of it seems super bland like down to the the krogans with the genophage kind of stuff and they're suffering from this like or lack of fertility so like they can't like their species them as a species can't replicate and stuff and so that's like a whole thing that they're trying to figure out yeah you have these giant berserker things who want nothing more than to die in battle but if they die in battle they're literally killing off their species because they can't reproduce at a rate sufficient to do anything yeah and you know yeah it's it's nuts and that warrior culture issue that you have with them and like the honor system and then you know, the choices you have later on, what do you do with the, you know, where you can reverse the genophage, I think, correct? Yeah. Or, or something like that. Yeah, potentially. Or not. And you make those choices. And, you know, and, and, and the third one, the things that you've done in the first three determine the allies that you have to fight off these, you know, I guess the, the overall threat, which is the mm-hmm. Reapers, right? They're these sentient AI ships that have existed for millennia, and they come in to essentially wipe advanced species off the face of the planet once they reach a certain level of progression and you know eventually you know it's a losing battle but you make a you make some headway you get an ending that maybe you like or maybe you don't like Mm -hmm. um you know i remember watching videos because you know there is it there is like a heartstring to it when your mass effect one character you played with you know you put like you know a hundred something hours or more in yeah. mass effect two just as many and then mass effect three you're going into it and you're seeing like oh th- these are the endings that you can have yeah. you know and you're like oh man i really want this one and you're having to watch things just to make sure you yeah. do everything right and, and you know what maybe you messed up in mass effect one and you can't get it yeah you know Maybe you can't get it, so you just yeah. got to go with whatever you think. And it doesn't really spell everything out for you, which I like, too. A lot of stuff yep. is open for interpretation. But from the outfits to the character customization, the weapons, the gunfighting, you know, the the kind of special powers that you can get, biotic powers, which are pseudo um, telekinetic, pseudo mm-hmm. Jedi-like, um, all these things that you can do and get it just makes it such a unique game. You know, like I remember playing, I think it was in the first one where you're playing against, uh, you're on like a asteroid or something like that. And you're moving fast. I know for sure there is one where you're in on a ship and you could toss people up. There was a power that you had that yes. you could lift people in the air and slam them down. Yes, but yes. if you were going, when you're on the ship, yeah. you would lift them up in the air. And I, I would do that to go to lift them up and slam them down on the ground. But because we're moving through space, as, as, through space, as soon as I lifted them up in the air, they were gone they, in the slipstream. Yeah, they just and I was disappeared. Like, Whoa! <laughs> so then I'm picking up dudes left and right. Then you know, because yeah. instead of the slam effect that sometimes killed them and sometimes didn't, yeah. I'm sending these dudes all into you know empty, and, empty space, empty space, another universe. You know, yeah, I, I did the same thing. That was super satisfying to just lift them up and they just 
disappear. Yes. So much fun. It was so awesome. much fun. It was so awesome. If you've never played the Mass Effect series, Xbox is where you get it at, and that's the place to go. And if you're a PS junkie or whatever, and you pick up an Xbox 360 or whatever, um, yeah. or Xbox One, and you can pick one up for cheap now that the Series X is out, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it just to play through. It's worth all it's just it's so much fun and it is one of the premier games ever for me yeah they are it is also on playstation and uh on pc and stuff too well uh take everything i just said back and don't <laughs> spend any extra money and just buy it and yeah. play it and they did uh just uh last year or i guess well at, at, we're now in 2023 so two years ago they came out with the legendary edition which they remastered one through three and put it all in one package yes and that's definitely the way to check it out which um, we so, both have yeah, so they, it's now's a good time to dive back into that and check it out if you haven't. And and honestly, you know, like you know, obviously a lot of geek things are are, are male tuned or whatever, but you know, my wife who doesn't play video games that much, she really loved Mass Effect, right? You mentioned because that. you know she wouldn't go on the side quests, but she loved the linear story that she would love. She would just go from mission to mission. And, you know, it's probably one of the only games that she's finished, like, everything. She finished Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. She finished all three of them. She really enjoyed it. And it was cool, me watching her play it. Right. You know? I mean, yeah, my wife was also doing a playthrough of, uh, she beat the first one and then had just started on the second one and stuff. So she hasn't finished that, but uh, I know she plans, she plans to. She really enjoyed it, though. So, you know, if, if, if you are a guy or a girl or whatever, and your girlfriend or significant other or friend or sister <clears throat> maybe is looking for a game and they're geeky oriented and they like sci-fi, Mass Effect's the way to go, yeah, I if think. If you're into sci-fi stuff and like good stories and, and different relationships with the characters in games, definitely check out Mass Effect. And for my final one, for the final game. Yes. Mountain Blade Warband. So mm. this is a game, you know, I was on, I remember being on Steam on the PC and just searching, just searching for games. And I came across this one, Mountain Blade Warband. And I remember reading a review and it talked about like, oh, you defeating these troops and hearing all your people scream, you're, you know, like hurrah at the end. And it had so many good reviews. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to check it out. I'm going to try it. I'm not really good at these type of games, these like hack and slash games, but we'll give it a try. And turns out it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't at all what I thought it was, you know? So it turned out to be the, this, the biggest sandbox experience I've ever had where in the vanilla game, uh, Mountain Blade Warband, just regular vanilla, no mods, you start out, you create your person, you you know, specialized in some stuff here and there um, through your character creation. Maybe you, you know, you like kind of like say, hey, my background, I, I'm good with bows or whatever, or I'm good with a sword or I, I rode my, you know, these are the things I did in my childhood. Mm -hmm. You start out on this huge map and the world's your oyster. You can do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. You can become a lord. You can become a merchant. You can become a king. And, you know, that was what was so interesting to me. I have all these different character playthroughs. I have all these different armor, you know, like you start out, you're this little dude on this huge map and there's, there's little pieces moving on the map real time as you're moving. And it shows how many people are in their party and there's bandits and soldiers and armies and Lords and Kings. And 
you can become one of those. You know, you can recruit troops and you have almost total war-esque um, battle planning where you're now fighting in large, large-scale battles, mm-hmm. commanding troops to move to certain places, to hold fire, to do whatever, and, you know, fighting on horseback and coming through. And, and, the, and, and the, the, the fighting is just so seamless. It makes sense. You know, um, it feels so good the way that everything works out. And then, you know, the, the vanilla is great. It's, it's, you know, graphics wise, it's a little lackluster now. Yeah. If you were just like, I'm going to listen to John and, and, and go try it out. But the mods, the mods are what makes it. Okay. And specifically, even if you're not a game of Thrones fan, the clash of Kings mod is oh, what, right. what absolutely blew it out of the water to me. It puts you on the game of Thrones world. It creates both continents, Essos and Westeros, the factions that are on both. The Every unit is unique to those different factions. And you can just join an army and just fight as a foot soldier. They'll give you their equipment, you know. So if you want to fight with Rob Stark or you want to fight with Tywin Lannister or something like that, these characters from those games, you can do that. There's no, but it's also just a fun game to play. So if you're not a Game of Thrones fan, you don't even care about that. It's just a unique, fun world, a unique, fun fantasy world if you're into it. Right. And there are some little campaign elements of it that you can do. But really, you know, like I remember I played one where I was just wanting to play as a, as a knight. And I had a couple guys that I brought with me as squires. And I would just go to tournament to tournament to tournament in different towns and fight. And that was what was fun to me, you know. And then I became a lord for one of the nations, you know. And now I've got a fighting force. And when they go to war or whoever they're fighting, I've got to bring my troops along and, you know, take part in these battles. And, you know, eventually become a king, you know. So now you're the king. You create your own kingdom. You know, you carve out your own piece of it. You create your own lords. There's in the Clash of Kings mod, they add, like, I want to say something like 30 something com- companions that you can have. Mm-hmm. And these guys are um, all pretty unique and, you know, you can give them their own castles and their own towns and then they'll be your Lords and Knights mm-hmm. who will build up their own armies wow. and help you fight and go from place to place. And so that's one I spent, God, I've spent thousand plus hours on <laughs> specifically that mod, specifically that game. And that's just because it was so easy to get lost into it. It's a it's a virtual time machine. Right, right, right. It is so much fun. The the vanilla version, you know, you get to you can trade. You you can just take, you know, there's items that don't really have anything to do with the gameplay, but have a value in world that you can that places produce and other places don't. So you can take velvet from one place to another. And, you know, have this whole supply chain, meanwhile, just weaving in between bandit patrols. You know, maybe you've got enough troops where you don't get attacked or whatever, but maybe you bring like a cavalry retinue with you of like 10, 15 guys. And Mm -hmm. maybe you get attacked, maybe you don't. But it's nice. Then you get to pick up their gear and just sell it back. But, you know, I I did one on Xbox on vanilla. So, you know, I played a lot of hours on PC and I played on the Xbox for a little bit when my PC was down. And the Mountain Blade Warband, that one, I was doing one specifically as a merchant. And I was just going to wait to try to do any Lord stuff until I had earned over like, you know, 10 million gold, which takes a while. It's not like an easy thing to do. And there's no end game. You know, the end game is what you make it. You know, so now 
with that game, you know, you can just hit retire and then you're done. Like that's, it's when you decide you're done with it. And I kind of like that as well. There's no, it, it is the ultimate sandbox. And now with Mountain Blade Banner Lord, Mountain Blade 2, you know, Banner Lord, which is the sequel to it. We're seeing a lot of that as well. You know, there's a little bit more campaign, but I've recently started playing it again on Sandbox, and it is just a blast. And you can play that on Xbox and PlayStation yeah. and PC as well. And it adds a lot more strategy issues or strategy things to it. it adds some smithing, which is fun because you can, you know, make some really unique swords and that kind of thing right. outside of what you could do. But, you know, if, if you're a Game of Thrones fan at all which i am or you like fantasy in general hop into to, to the mountain blade war band your computer can probably handle it and right i think it, it came out in 2010 yeah it's yeah. it is a ton of fun ton of fun the mods are easy to use and they they make it just the best and so you know i'm a little bit scattered i'm all over the place you know i love real-time strategy i love rpg i yeah. love first-person shooter tactical shooters but you know the main thing is i love games you love games that's one of the things that we enjoy doing yeah you know so that's my top 10 that's a little bit about me i've got a couple honorable mentions i'll just throw out there i'll, right, make, them, yeah. I'll make them pretty quick um one of them is uh airborne ranger you've probably never heard of this game before i probably never even talked to you about it no, i don't think so it's one of those early games that I played, side scroller, kind of up and down. You, you you get parachuted into like behind me lines, and then you just got to go up the map, almost like a football field, right? Uh-huh. With there's different trenches and barricades and like bunkers and stuff, and you got to accomplish the mission. You got to kill everybody or <laughs> blow things up. I remember playing it as a young kid and not being able to do it well, and I remember it being yeah. challenging and wanting to play better at it and. It's one of those things that I really enjoyed. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't ever recall hearing about that. That's yeah, it, it was pretty interesting. Uh, shout out to like the both uh, the Modern Warfare, the 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 Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Yeah, the new like the 2019 version, and then the the new one that just came out. I mean, the old ones too. Modern Warfare Two back in the day was yes. pretty good. I agree. That's kind of an honorable mention for me too. So you know, we we spent a lot of time on Modern Warfare Two back in the day. A lot of time on it, and to be honest, we spent a lot of time on this 2019 Modern Warfare. Yeah, I'm not enjoying the Modern Warfare Two, the most the most recent one, as much for for the Battle Royale. Right. You know? uh, I, I like Verdansk better. I liked that feeling better. Yep. And, um, you know, I, some of the guns and everything on there were, were a lot more fun. I feel like we, it was, it was a lot better for me with the 2019 version. Uh, but I, I'm going to keep giving this newest one a chance and, you know, we're going to keep playing it some and have fun with it. Uh, the Command and Conquer series, obviously, all of them, Red Alert, Tiberian Sun, those are all a blast for me on computer, PC, real-time strategy, easy to get into, easy to play, um, mm-hmm. very, um, uh, what was that game from Blizzard that was also like that? Um, the, oh, shoot, I don't remember. Very similar, you know, base building, go attack your friends, just like Age of Empires 2, which is another one of my honorable mentions. I had a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of fun doing map building. I had a lot of fun, you know, playing solo. Uh, you know, it's one of those ones where multiplayer, if you try to play it outside the meta, you're not going to do it. You know, yeah. you're going to get swamped and killed by people that have this very specific thing, which is one of the reasons why I wouldn't do it. Right. Because I'm very much a play at my own pace kind of guy. That makes sense. I think I've seen you 
I think you showed me one of the Command Conquers. Like I had never played them either, but you showed me one of them a long time ago. I watched you play one a little bit. I think I did. Yeah. 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 I don't remember which one it was, but that was a, that was a while ago. Yeah, those are fun. Those are those. Are, you know, they're they're fun. Like easy to get into, easy to play, easy to get out of. You know, not so serious game. Uh, shout out Skyrim. We talked about that at length last time. Shout out Rainbow Six Vegas too. Yep. Great game. Uh, and one of the last games I'll shout out is Ghost Recon Wildlands. Me oh, and you spent a true. lot of time on that. And we got to play, you know, Barbie doll. We got to dress <laughs> up our dudes, make them look cool, mm-hmm. make them, you know, have fun. And also uh, props to them for a fairly open world campaign where you got to do a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah, uh, that one I would give an honorable mention to as well. Yeah, it was the customization was awesome in that game. Gameplay was fun, uh, tackling bases and stuff like either going stealthy or just going in guns blazing kind of thing. It was it was a lot of fun. It wasn't without a ton of bugs for sure. Lots it, of bugs, lots of janky gameplay, helicopters, yeah. planes, cars. I'm looking at you specifically. Yes, but you know. We had some moments in that, which were pretty crazy. And I'm going to throw out one more that wasn't even on my list, and that's Generation Zero, because I was just thinking about that recently as well. And, um, you know, it's a fun game. It's an indie game. If you've got, like, 10 bucks or whatever, it's worth buying to play with a buddy. It can be scary. Um, Getting hunted by lots and lots of robots is is a lot of fun. And the same thing with Ghost Recon Wildlands. Just run. I remember one one time Josh and I were running, and the entire map was after us. It seemed like, and we it was like a scene out of Lone Survivor. I'm turning around and shooting and throwing mines down, and we're just they wouldn't stop. And it was we were running up the side of a mountain, up like a snowy mountain, and yeah, like you would get behind a little berm or something, and you look up over, and there was literally like thirty, thirty five guys running up the mountain after us, and we're just like taking pot shots while keep running away from because we were to actually just head on engagement we would have for sure died we would have and we got out of that situation it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun so yeah that's that's a little about me that's my top 10 i i hope you guys um enjoyed listening i hope you will tell us you know like josh said last week tell us what you like yeah you know email us geekytc podcast at gmail um, yeah, or that, or tweet us uh, at Geek EDC Podcast on Twitter. You know, uh, send us uh, some of your favorites or thoughts about you know any of these games if they any of them were any of your favorites. Uh, yeah. We'd love to hear from you for sure. Ask us questions. Let us know. You know, we're we're very interested in what you guys have to say. You know, obviously top tens and you know we're, we're not necessarily modern warfare streamers. We're not like no. we're not we're not ducking and diving and 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 spin shotting and doing all that stuff. But yeah. You know, we're we're here for the long haul, and we wanna yeah. we wanna hear from you guys. Yeah, our main strat in games is to have fun, and you that's know, what we want you to do too. You know, even if you know it's annoying to somebody else, where if we're having fun, that's what matters at the end of the day, because it's it's a game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thanks for listening. Just remember, uh, follow us at Geek ETC Podcast Instagram, Twitter, and send us an email at geekedcpodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. And as always, keep kicking out.